Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. Um, hopefully you're excited about studying God's Word together this morning. We're in a series called One Minute After You Die. Uh, this is actually finishing up the series today. Last week we talked about the horrors of hell. We get the flip side, the good side today, the glory of heaven. And we say, well, why are we talking about death? Because it's inevitable and we want to be ready, right? And we've been saying each week in this series, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Now, if you believe that life doesn't live, you don't exist past this life, you go ahead and do whatever you want, right? Live it every way you want. Get as much out of life as possible. Um, basically means you're going to be a self-centered person. Um, so, that's the way it is. But if you believe that you exist for eternity, that there's something past physical death, then you're going to live a little bit differently, especially if you become a Jesus follower. Because then you're going to follow your leader, or your example, Jesus. So you're going to want to live like Jesus. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Now, little disclaimer here at the beginning. I cannot do heaven justice. So if you're a little disappointed after the message today, uh, understandable, okay? Uh, we're going to look at a lot of scripture because the only thing we know about the afterlife is what God tells us through his word, right? In fact, Paul even says you can't do it justice. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. Your mind, my mind, we can't imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. All right? So we can't imagine it all, but we can imagine some of it, right? In fact, if you read that uh, longer text, it says, we can know the deep things of God because of the Spirit of God. So we can know things. We just can't know it all. all right? uh, I came across a story about this guy who just loved baseball, or maybe softball. I don't know. And he kept asking God, kept praying, God, is there going to be baseball in heaven? Please, God, I want to know. It just won't seem like heaven to me if there's not baseball there. Well, quote-unquote, God didn't get tired of hearing him ask, but he sends an angel to this guy to answer his prayer. The angel shows up and he says, well, I've got good news for you and bad news. Which do you want to hear first? He said, uh, good news. He said, all right, let me tell you, you're going to have baseball in heaven. In fact, it's 24-7 baseball because it's never, gets, never night. There's never any bad weather, so there's no bad weather cancellation. So they'll be playing baseball all the time, 24-7. So he's delighted. He's all excited. There's going to be baseball in heaven. Uh, what's the bad news? You're pitching on Thursday. Now, honestly, is that bad news? Because as Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain or better. Now, none of us are in a hurry to die. I understand that, right? But we certainly shouldn't fear death. Now, we fear lots of things. We are troubled by lots of things. We get upset by lots of things. We worry about lots of things. So Jesus, on the last night of his life, he's talking to his disciples. And you've got to understand, he's looking at being crucified the next day. And so as you look at John 14, listen to what he has to say to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Right, we do it, but he says, don't do it. And he's specifically talking to them. Because are they going to be troubled in 24 hours later? They're going to be troubled big time, right? He said, 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? You believe in God, believe also in me. So it's going to look bad tomorrow, but keep believing in me because we know three days later, uh, good news. So then he starts to talk about the other side of death. There are many dwelling places in my father's house. Uh, Rooms, mansions, whatever term you want to use. There are, there's a place in my father's house. He said, otherwise, if it weren't so, if I, I would have told you, and I'm going away to make ready a place for you. Now, isn't it exciting that, that, that God has got a place for you, a specific place? I like to think about it as home. A lot of people are on vacation, our vacations later this year. Uh, vacations are great, right? You get to relax, you get to do stuff you don't normally do, go someplace you don't normally live. But I don't know about you, but there's something special about that day I get home and you get surrounded by my, my stuff and get to sleep in my bed. It's home. Something special about that. So God is preparing you, you and I a home in heaven. And then he goes on. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. So evidently he's still preparing it, right? Because he hasn't come and got us yet. Why? So that you will always be with me where I am. There's a sense God is with us here, right? But we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes. But eventually, we, we are going to be with God forever. There's not going to be any barrier of this physical world. He says, and you know, speaking to us, he says, you know the way to where I'm going. Of course, he was talking to the disciples. And so this place is ready, so it's secure. Nobody's going to take it away from it. It's, it, it, it's uh, you know, we have a reservation. So do I. Well, Jesus said they know, but one of the disciples, Thomas in this case, said, um, Jesus, wait a minute. <laughs> we don't know. We have, in fact, he says no idea. They did have some idea. We have no idea where you're going. Really, in reality, didn't know he was going to die the next day. So, how can we know the way? If I'm following you and I don't know where you're going, how am I going to follow you? Kind of makes sense, right? So, what's Jesus' response? I am the way. So, Thomas, disciples, do you know me? And you know the way. Pretty cool, right? He said, I am the truth. So, I'm not, there's no lie in me. And I am the life, eternal life, we would say. And no one can come to the Father except through me. People complain. There should be other ways. God says, no, there's only one way. At least there's one way. And it's the easy as possible way. It would be different if God said, oh, there's a way, but it's really hard. And he says, it's sure. It's guaranteed this way. So, uh, that's John um, recording words of Jesus. Then I want to read from Revelation. This is written by the disciple John gives us some insight. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is at the end of earthly time. I don't know why God needs to destroy the, the, new, the old heaven and make a new one. Uh, earth is, is affected by sin, so he, he wants to renew it or make a new one. I understand that. And the old earth has disappeared. They're gone. They don't have two of them. And the sea was also gone. I don't know 
significance of that. And then he says this, and I saw the holy city. All right, he's got a most prominently Jewish audience. Holy city would be what? Jerusalem, right? Holy city, the new Jerusalem. So it's not the Jerusalem that I got to see a couple of years ago. It's going to be new. Descending out of heaven from God. So, the significance is, he's going to tell us this, God's off in heaven, we think, now, right? But when this happens, God's going to come here for eternity. Um, made ready like a bride adorned for a husband. The church, all of us, are considered the bride of Christ. Pretty exciting, those of you who have been brides, right? Text goes on. Then he heard a loud voice shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now where? Not off in heaven someplace. Among his people. He will live with them and they will live with, be his people and God himself will be with them. Exciting. There's a sense God is always with us. But he's in reality going to be with us in this uh, new heaven and new earth. What's he going to be doing? Uh, this is always exciting to me. I, every funeral I do, our memorial service, I, uh, celebration of life, I share this passage because it's exciting. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Especially at, fu- at funerals, people are crying, right? Well, there's going to be a time when there's no, not going to be any more tears. No more death. That's one reason we have tears, because of death. Well, there's going to be any more death. Or sorrow, or crying, or even pain. Some of you that are young and live, your lives are pain-free. <laughs> Some of us older folks, we're never pain-free anymore. So all these things, they're gone. And they're gone forever. They're never coming back. Text goes on. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. We're going to see we're going to have new bodies. Everything new. Nothing old, nothing worn out, nothing broken. Everything's going to be shiny and new. And he says, write this down, for I tell you, what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So you can know it, because it's true. Then he said, it is finished. Remember he said on the cross it was finished? Well, that was his work of providing salvation for you and I was finished. But now, God created everything, then he's going to create stuff again, and then he's going to be finished. He says, on the Alpha, or the A, and the Omega, the Z, the beginning, and the end. To all who are thirsty, anybody that has a desire, I will give what? What's the next word? Anybody reading with me? What's the next word? I will give freely. We'll get this verse again later. Freely. From the springs of the water of life. So God gives it to us freely. You and I don't have to pay for it. We can't pay for it. So, what's heaven going to be like? Well, I thought I'd talk a little bit about what heaven's not going to be like. Or I'm going to call misconceptions about heaven. This is a biggie. Heaven will be boring. In our small group, we got talking about where do our ideas of heaven and hell come from? And we came to the clues, and a lot of them come from cartoons. So we see in cartoons this little fat little baby with a, with a harp on a cloud 
floating around in heaven, where we see us dressed in robes on a cloud with a, with a harp or some instrument in our hand. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty boring, or image is pretty boring to me. Now, we said last week, if you were Satan, what would you want people to believe about hell? And we said he's been pretty successful. Six, no, yeah, 60% of people don't believe there's a hell. So he's done a pretty good job with that. If I can't convince them there's not a hell, I'm going to convince them they're not going to go there. And we looked at only one out of 200 people think they're going to go there. So, Satan's done a pretty good job with that. On the flip side, Satan did a pretty good job convincing us that heaven's going to be a boring place, right? It's, you know, all the fun stuff is quote-unquote sinful stuff, so we can't do it there. I can't smoke or chew or go with girls who do, all right? Um, That's the fun. (laughs) So we can't do that in heaven. Um, So it's going to be boring, right? And a lot of people, that's one reason they're keeping them from salvation. Because here's the question they, they ask themselves. What will I lose if I follow Jesus? And the conclusion is, the stuff that's fun, right? I have to give up this, and I have to give up that that I consider fun. And so, consequently, I don't want to give that up. So, I'm not going to become a Jesus follower. But if you know anything about the Bible, if you read the Bible, let me ask you, does God seem pretty boring in the Bible? Does God seem boring to you? Now, this book's amazing. It's all kinds of miraculous stuff happen. Um, I, I don't believe God is boring. So if heaven was where God is, then heaven shouldn't be boring. Really, should it? And those of you who are Jesus followers, have your life been boring since you become a Jesus follower? Mine certainly hasn't. Um, I can't imagine people being boring. When I hear that term, I just, it just surprises me. So I put on your outline, heaven will be the opposite of boring. It's going to be more exciting. I saw Mission Impossible this week. It's going to be more exciting than Mission Impossible, which is pretty exciting. Especially my wife, she gets all excited when she watches something like that. The absence of everything evil, we can't even comprehend what that's like. Evil is what's keeping us from having fun. And we will be in the presence of God. Not kind of, you know, I know he's here kind of present, but literally in the presence of God. So I got thinking about, what are the things that you enjoy in life? And one place I went was my senses. All right? We're going to have the family over for a meal this, uh, later today. And it's fun to get together as a family, but part of the fun is what? Eating. God gave us taste buds, and we try and find food that we like to taste and our body likes. Sometimes we like to taste, but our body doesn't like it, right? Can you imagine we didn't have taste buds? We'd eat, but there'd be no pleasure in it? Wow. You ever thank God for taste buds? My eyes and my hearing are getting worse as I age. But I can still hear, and I can still see and we can, we can talk about the beauty of God's creation. I can see it. Relationships. The gifts are the relationships that you have. Part of the, the joy of life is relationships. I have relationships of some sort, probably with everybody here. 
Every breath is a gift from God, right? I was looking up the um, life expectancy chart. So for males, it's like 73 point some years. Well, I'm almost 72. <laughs> but, but, but I saw another statistic. If you live to be 70, your life expectancy is 86. All right, so that's pushing it out there a little bit, right? Uh, but, you, you know, my next breath could be my last breath. Every breath's a gift from God. All right, so one of the misconceptions, let me share some things I believe about heaven. What will heaven be like? Four quick things. We will know one another, love and be loved. Now, there's a passage that Jesus... <laughs> He asked Jesus about marriage in heaven, and the bottom line is we're not going to be married in heaven. I love my wife, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to love everybody. All right? Everybody's going to love me. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? And um, we'll know one another. So I'll get up there, and, and I'll know Peter, for example. i say, Peter, tell me about walking on water. I never got to do that. Or David, what was it like killing Goliath? Or some of you ladies that have had children, childbirth, you might want to ask Eve, was it worth it, eating that fruit and <laughs> bring us all pain? I mean, we'll know everybody, and we didn't ask them anything we want. It'll be a place of unimaginable beauty. I don't know what the most beautiful places you've been to on this earth. Traveling's fun, isn't it? One of the fun things. We were in uh, France a few years ago, and we came to this place, southern France. It was called the Grand Canyon of of uh, France. I should have got a picture of it and put it up for you guys today. It's this beautiful place. It was this natural arch. And I see pictures of Utah and Arizona with all these amazing natural formations and stuff. Hope to see them someday. But, and uh, fall colors. We lived in Portugal for four years. They don't have fall. <laughs> the leaves don't change colors. I really missed it. The beauty. Well, as beautiful as our world can be, heaven's going to be more beautiful. Unimaginable. Another thing, we will see Jesus face to face. We will see God face to face. Now, God is a spirit, so we need to understand that. I'll talk about that in a few weeks. But in the Old Testament, remember, Moses wanted to see God. Some of you know that story. And God said, no, nah, no, nah, Moses, you can't see me. If you see me, you'll die. But I don't want you to die, Moses. So here, here's what I can do. I said, I'll pass by. You hide your eyes, and when I'm kind of just about out of sight, you can kind of peek at me, and you'll still live. Oh, in heaven, we'll see the glory of God, and it won't kill us. Uh, also, in, the, uh, in Judaism, they let the high priest go in the holy holies once a year. And you know what they did? They tied a rope to his leg. Why? Because in case he saw the, too much of the glory of God and died, they could still pull him out without going in themselves. So we'll see God's glory and not be, af be uh, 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 afraid of death. And we'll have new and perfect bodies. And we'll read that, about that in a few minutes. Um, we've never had perfect bodies, have we? When we're young, they're, they're exciting and they're, they're strong and, and so forth. Uh, but we never had perfect bodies. What's that going to be like? We're also going to work in heaven, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, I don't want to sit there and play a harp or twiddle my th thumbs all the time. Uh, 
So whatever you enjoy doing here, you probably get to do it there and enjoy it even more. Um, so, a little bit of glimpse of heaven. Here's the bottom line. I put it on your outline. Whatever you think of heaven, it's going to be a whole lot better. There's going to be no more sin and sorrow and death and pain and arguments and all that stuff. Better than you can imagine. Uh, another misconception about heaven. This world is our home. And in reality, most people believe that, right? Most people are focused on and live their lives for now, this physical world. We talked about this weeks ago in First Peter. This isn't our home. Um, as I was studying, I came across this passage in Philippians that I had forgotten was there. And Paul writes about it. I've told you often before. This is not something new. He said it before. I'm going to say it again with tears in my eyes. Why has he got tears in his eyes? There are many whose conduct shows they're really, notice this phrase, enemies of the cross of Christ. Many people are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, if you're not a friend of Christ, the default is what? You're an enemy of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. We talked about that last week. Separation from God. Their God is their appetite, pleasure. They brag about shameful things. You ever been around somebody bragging about shameful things? Maybe you at one time did that. And they think only about this life here on earth. They basically believe this is all there is. Well, Jesus is our example. And two words come to mind. He's my example. I'm supposed to follow him. Well, first he said, I came to serve and not be served. So if I'm a Jesus follower, I'm not living for me. I'm living for others, right? Serve. The other big word is sacrifice. He sacrifices life. I'm to sacrifice what I want, my will, for God's will, right? And then we're going to talk about this in a minute. This life is temporary. This life is not as real as the hereafter life. Because this life is going to end. Heaven, eternity is going to go on forever. So then he says the flip side. So he's got tears in his eyes for those who are enemies of the cross. But we, Jesus followers, are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Have you transferred your citizenship from this world to the next? Uh, we, we lived in Portugal for a while. <clears throat> we had American passports. So we could go and we traveled other places. <laughs> but we're still, wherever we're living, we're still citizens of the United States. Now, two of our kids, Jared's one, were born there and they had dual citizenship until they're 18. It's kind of interesting. But at 18, they had to decide. And they, both Andrea and him, decided to become, remain American citizens, not Portuguese citizens. So have you transferred your citizenship to the kingdom of God? If you want to read more about this, you can look at it. Uh, well, I haven't finished reading first. 
And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies. These bodies are weak and they're mortal, mean they're going to die, right? And change them or transform them into glorious bodies like his own. Some of you might consider your bodies glorious. I certainly don't consider mine glorious. But one day I'm going to have a glorious body using the same power by which he will bring everything under his control. 1 Corinthians 15 is probably the longest passage that, that talks about that. So, don't let your heart be troubled. Think about it this way. If it doesn't matter 100 years from now, or even 50 years from now, it's not going to matter for eternity then, is it? One preacher illustrated this way. Can you imagine a string or a rope going, you know, as far as you can imagine this way, as far as you can imagine this way, because eternity is endless, right? And then you take the history of the world, and you flop it down here, and it'd be about this big. And so, where are you and I? We're not even a blimp, right? If it doesn't matter a hundred years from now, why are we letting it upset us here? What really matters? Think about it. What really matters? Jesus said, to love and be loved. To love God, love other people. That's what really matters. All the other stuff is small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff and everything's small stuff, you know. Uh, Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians, says this. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying or decaying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Which is an interesting concept. I don't know about you, and some of you are younger, some of us are older. But spiritually, I, I believe I'm more alive today than I ever was. Body, not so much. Aches and pains and wrinkles and all those other things. But my spirit is being renewed. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Remember on that scale over a blimp? Whatever troubles you have, I know they seem huge sometimes. But they're small, and they certainly aren't going to last forever, right? And for me, very not, I don't know how long. Maybe 86. <laughs> I don't know. Yet, they, what? Our mortal bodies, these dying bodies, produce for us a glory that vastly outshines them and will last forever. Store up your treasures in heaven. Is there purpose in pain? Absolutely. Cross is the best example. Without Christ's suffering, he wouldn't have been able to pay the price for your, your sin and mine and our salvation. So he goes on. So don't look at the troubles you can see now. See, we're kind of trapped in this physical world and we think this is so important. This world is not as real as the eternal world. The spiritual world. Because this is temporary, that was eternal. It's more real. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. The spiritual realm. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Things we cannot see will last forever. And one more th- misconception. We talked about this some last week. Most people are going to heaven anyway, right? 
Most people think, I've got to really mess up big time to go to hell. You know, I've got to be a sex trafficker or child pornographer or a drug dealer or Adolf Hitler or something to go to hell. You know, my friends, my neighbors, they're all good people. They do anything to help me. Talked about this last week. <laughs> Is anyone good? No, not the bottom line. Jesus said the road to destruction is broad. Meaning most, and most people go there. The road to glory is narrow and few find it. So, is it true that most people are going to go to heaven? I don't think so. So here's a question. Big question, important question. Who goes to heaven? Do good people go to heaven? Yeah. Do baptized people go to heaven? Do church people go to heaven? Who goes to heaven? Simple answer. Forgiven people. The criminal on the cross. Was he a good guy? See, the, the Romans didn't crucify everybody. It was expensive. It was a lot of work. It was hard work. They wouldn't waste their time crucifying everybody. So they saved crucifixion for the especially bad people, like Jesus, of course. So nobody would say that guy was good. Where is he right now? He's in heaven. Why? God forgave him. If you're going to be in heaven someday, the only reason is going to be because God forgave you, because you accepted the gift of his son. We'll talk about that in a minute. In fact, let's talk about it now. I forgot it's coming up now. Lots of places we could talk about would be in Romans chapter 3. All right? We are made right with God, meaning we get to go to heaven when we die. How? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. This is true for everyone who believes. Notice next, no matter who we are. Meaning, no matter what you've done, right? Like the criminal on the cross. We don't know what he did, but it was pretty bad. So it's not goodness that gets us into heaven, right? It's Jesus that gets us into heaven. He goes on, Paul's writing. Everyone has sinned. All right, let me ask you a question. Who's lied? Who's ever lied? Raise your hand. I don't see everybody's hand up. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Everybody's lied, right? I could go through the Ten Commandments. Probably all of us have broken all of them. I like the baseball illustration. You've got about a thousand to get into heaven. Once you and I have sinned, no matter how good we're after, never can bat a thousand yet. So how did we get there? We all fall short of God's glorious standard, which is perfection. So how do we get there? Yet God. I love that phrase, yet God. We all deserve to be separated from God because we're sinners. Yet God said, I don't want that to be true. And I'm the only one that can fix it. So in his grace, that's his desire to fix it for us. Here's that word again. What's the next word? Freely. Freely. 
all right? Doesn't cost you or I anything. In fact, there's nothing we can pay for. We don't have any currency. He makes us right in his sight. How did he do this? Through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty for our sin. So when you and I get to heaven as Jesus followers, he's going to say, not guilty. Well, I did this and I did that. Not guilty. It's all been removed by the blood of Christ. He goes on. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. We'd say the sin of all people of all time. People, again, made right with God, meaning you're going to die, go to heaven when you die, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his love, life and shed his blood. When you believe the price has been paid, when you confess your sins and accept that gift, that free gift, right. So, finish with this. Two goals I've had in this series. You'll have to tell me how good I did. All right? First, to relieve fear. Relieve fear. Fear of what happens after you die. And gave you the options, and I hopefully made it clear that you can avoid the bad option and take advantage of the good option, right? So to relieve fear. And secondly, to increase urgency. Everybody's going to die and then face eternity. And no one needs to be separated from God in that. So, I'm giving you kind of a, a lead-in to talk to your friends and neighbors or anybody. Hey, my pastor's just been talking about what happens when you die. What do you think happens when you die? You're going to get one or two answers probably. Well, I just cease to exist. And I'll say, well, why do you feel, believe you cease to exist? You can pursue that. If they say, well, I'm going to go to heaven when I die, why are you going to go to heaven when you die? If they don't say because I'm forgiven, then you can explain it to them. Let me know how good I did in reaching those two goals. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you that you did it all. You created us. We messed up. Messed up your creation. But you're still willing to forgive us. Wow. In fact, made it possible to forgive us through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. It's free. Not much in life is free. We're kind of skeptical of free things. We don't need to be skeptical of you, God. So yes, I'm a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you, God, for eternity. But you gave me an out. Jesus took my place on the cross. And if I just confess and believe, I'm in your, in your family now, and I get to spend eternity with you if anybody hears my voice, has not made that decision, I urge you, plead with you, make that decision. You can figure out the details later. Just step across that line and trust Jesus with your life and your eternity. God, I thank you that probably most people listening to me are Jesus followers. I pray that the series had relieved whatever fear they might have about this life or the next. We thank you, Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen.